We are blessed by God to be able to assemble because he is good and he has blessed us to be here tonight. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, your great son, for that magnificent love in which he displayed while upon this earth. And yet, though the earth rejected him, the world rejected him, Lord God, your own people rejected him, and yet, and yet it never stopped him from doing the mission that needed to be done to save humanity. Thank you for your eternal plan. Thank you for your love. Please accept our worship tonight. In Jesus' holy name we pray and thank thee to be thy will. Amen. There's an old sermon, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that I'm going to preach to you. It's the same sermon over and over and over and over again, all throughout uh, the Bible in reality, from the Old Testament into the New Testament. But uh, it piggybacks off of this morning's lesson, the idea of Jesus Christ and the greatness of the message of the apostles. What message do they preach over and over and over and over again? It's a simple message. God got up. I mean, that's the message. Jesus rose from the grave. Death could not hold him. It's a message you can preach. And what's interesting about the message, we're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is that you can use it in so many different ways, right? So let's start just kind of looking through this. Uh, the gospel is truly good news to a lost and dying world. It's good news to all of us. It's a reminder continually of the great victory of God's people. The great victory of the saints because of Jesus Christ the Lamb. So 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received and which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. So the gospel does a few things. Number one, the gospel that's received gives us the strength to stand. Ephesians 6, stand therefore, right? And we have the great armor of God. Number two, that the gospel is what holds us fast, right? It holds us fast to God's great mercy and God's great blessings. It reminds us of the salvation that comes from Jesus Christ. And verse 3, for I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to to the scriptures. And so this idea of the resurrection and the death of Jesus goes back to the Old Testament in the scriptures and is realized in the New Testament and the victory, if you will, is where we are living in the resurrection and in the victory of God. Verse 4 says, and that he was buried and that he was raised the third day according to the scriptures. Who else could preach a message like that? No one. Only us. <laughs> right? Only Christ. This is our message. This is the message to a world that are full of struggle and difficulty, right? Let's come back to that in just a moment. Verse 5. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles and last of all, as it were, to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, who am not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God within me. So the message that is spoken, we're going to Acts chapter 3, 
is a message that is repeated over and over again. And I want you to think about this for just a moment. In your walk of faith, things that you believe in, that you've walked through in your own life. You know, you tell your story and you go, this is what happened to me, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever it may be. And you go, this is what happened. And you start telling your story. Your story is not only obviously believed by you because you participated in it, you were an eyewitness of it. You, you felt it. You, you were restrained by it. You were strengthened by it. Whatever happened, that is your conviction, and you know that it's true. So the apostles are going to preach a message that they lived through. They understood. They experienced it. They felt it. They saw it. They touched Jesus. They ate with Jesus. They loved Jesus. They grew with Jesus, and later they're going to die with Jesus. Acts 3 and verse 22, the message. Moses said to the Lord, said, the Lord your God shall raise up for you a prophet like unto me, like unto your brethren. To him you shall give heed in everything he says to you. And it shall be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who spoke from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your father, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first, God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Spoken by Samuel and every prophet afterwards, Acts 4 please, Verse 8, every prophet afterwards spoke the same message. Verse 8 says, when Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man had been made well, let it be known to you, to all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by this Man, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. The Jesus, the one that you put to the, to the to test, if you will, the one that you put into the tomb, the one who got up, it's in his name. He's still alive. He's still well. He is still the Lord of Lords. He is still the King of Kings. That's what we're preaching to you. That's our message, church. And then in verse 16, saying, what shall we do with these men? For the fact that a noteworthy miracle has taken place through them is apparent to all who live in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But in order that it may not spread any further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or to teach it all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. So again, it's important. There are witnesses. They're saying, we're telling you, we saw it, we touched him, we felt him, we lived with him, we saw it, we heard it. We can't stop telling you of the story of Jesus. And then in verse 20, uh, the Bible says, but we cannot speak, uh, excuse me, stop speaking what we have seen and what we have heard. And it goes on to say that they're going to keep preaching and teaching the simple message, the gospel. It's simple, church, right? 
We don't have to know all the doctrines of the church. We don't have to know everything about the Bible. We're going to Acts chapter 2. We just need to know in the beginning this simple message that Jesus Christ got up. It's a simple message. And it's what was spoken of and spoken all the way through from Acts, if you will, all the way through the same sermon over and over again with different variations to it. So in Acts 2 and verse 29, the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching. Verse 29 says, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And so, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to see one of his descendants upon his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised again to which we are all witnesses. His body didn't undergo to get decay. God did not abandon him in the grave. Jesus is alive. Wow. That's a powerful message. Right? You know what that means, right? All of our ancestors, those whom we know, those who we don't know, who have gone on into the heavenlies that are in paradise, are alive and well. They're good to go. Isn't that great news? That's great news, church. I mean, they're alive and they're well. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Now, look at the next one. Acts chapter 3, in verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, have glorified his servant Jesus, to whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you disowned the holy and the righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. But put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. Again, eyewitnesses to the power of God. You know what that says to me? One of the things it says to me is that since it's undeniable, it doesn't matter how bad your life is. When you die, you're going to get up by the power of Jesus. By the power of Jesus, it doesn't matter how great your life is. You're going to get up when you leave this earth. It doesn't matter the struggles that we've been through. It really doesn't matter. What matters is in the end, church, we win because of the power of the resurrection. It's just the simple message of God repeated over and over and over again to a lost and dying world. Acts 4 and verse 30, 32. And the congregation of those who believe were of one heart and soul and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And abundant grace was upon them all. All right, let's think about that for a minute. Oh yeah, back in that day, they were literally physically dying for what they believed in. They were being executed by the Roman Empire. They were being executed. They were being drugged out of their homes. They were being tortured. They were being persecuted. And yet there was a great abundance of joy. And they were together in one as one people and they were continuing in the grace of God. Same message over and over again. You may take my life for the cause of Christ, but I live on the resurrection. Right? You can sign it all, the resurrection. Acts 5, in verse uh, 29, the Bible says there, But Peter and the apostles 
answered them and said, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on the cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. What is it in man that makes man or God rather forgive us? What is it about us? Doesn't really matter. What matters is God sees fit to extend his grace to us. And he promises to us something that no one else could ever do or ever promise. And that is, by the grace of God, our sins will be forgiven. All you got to do is repent. Come to Jesus, right? If you're not a child of God, surrender to God in the waters of baptism. If you are a child of God, just keep confessing your sins. Keep asking God to forgive you. Continue to try to make things right. Live for God. Be faithful and be true. But know it's by His grace that we're saved. They went to the Gentiles. Cornelius, Acts chapter 10. A man who knows this story very well. A man who was on the other side of the fence. You know, you've been on the other side of the fence, right? All of us were, right? Every single one of us. We may not want to think about it, but everyone's born outside of Christ. No one's born a member of the Church of Christ. No one. All of us have our sins and our sinful ways. Some of us took a little bit longer to come to Christ, and some came to Christ a little sooner. But regardless, we all have been on the other side of the fence. Here's Cornelius on the other side of the fence, and God reveals himself to Cornelius through the angels. In verse 33 of Acts chapter 10, And so I sent to you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all present here before God to hear all that you've been commanded by the Lord. He says to me, he says, preach Jesus to me. Tell me what it is God sent you for. Why am I here? Give me the answers of life. And he could have gone through this and said, okay, well, let me talk to you first about the Roman Empire, and then I want to talk to you about all the stuff you did wrong, and then I want, that's not what he did. He just preached the gospel. In Acts 10, verse 39, the Bible says, And we are all witnesses of all these things. He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And they also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he should be visible. He becomes visible to all, right? Verse 41. Not to all the people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by God. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. See, not, the before doesn't matter. I mean, it does matter, but it doesn't matter because we're talking about the resurrection. After, yeah, afterwards, we sat down with him, we ate and we drank. He wasn't a ghost. It was God himself who came back to the earth. Cornelius, you need to know this, that Jesus got up. In verse 42, it goes on to say, and he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead, of whom all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. So think about the message of God. It it was through the prophets. God has been saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, and they missed it over and over again. And over again. And I wonder sometimes 
what I'm missing. Right? What are we missing in our lives when we're trying to put together the scriptures and understand what the Lord wants us to know? Acts 13. If they had known the very plan of God, they would have never crucified the Messiah. But they just didn't understand. And what a grave sin it was they committed. In verse 26, the Bible says, Brethren, sons of Abraham's family, and those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, recognizing neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled these by condemning him. Isn't that amazing? They read about Jesus every Sabbath and yet didn't realize that Jesus came. <laughs> they read about him every Sabbath. Every Saturday. Every Saturday they read about Jesus. And then when Jesus showed up, they didn't know it was Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And sometimes we've got to be really, well, we should always be careful of that pharisaical attitude. we always got to realize, maybe I'm missing it too. Right? They read about Jesus every single Sabbath, and yet they missed it. Verse 28 says, And though they found no ground for putting him to death, they asked Pilate that he be executed. And when they had carried out all that was written concerning him, they also took him down from the cross and laid him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. Thou art my son, Today I have begotten thee. And as for the fact that he raised him up from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. And so as they're looking for David, they missed the rest of the psalm. Don't pick and choose, church. Read the scriptures and try to understand them all. We learned in preacher school a long time ago, don't proof text, right? You don't do that. No, let God talk to you. Read the word and try to understand it all. They missed it. They focused on David and they missed the Messiah. So the gospel, when you're thinking about evangelism in Romans chapter 1, and evangelizing to a lost and dying world, and you're wondering, what in the world should I say? Start with the gospel. You always have something to say. Do you know Jesus got up? It's the power unto salvation. Romans 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek or the Gentile. It's for everyone. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, We have this amazing power in God. We have this amazing gift and this amazing message that's repeated over and over and over again all throughout the scriptures. That Jesus died was buried, but he got up. He rose from the dead. And then regardless of what we go through in this life, you stay true to God, and this is what God does. We'll die, we'll be buried, but just like Jesus, we'll get up. Isn't that great news? This is powerful, right? And that's why we live our lives with such joy and happiness because really, it doesn't really matter in this life. Serve God, live for God, honor God, and die with God. And it'll be all right. 
just a wonderful blessing. It's just, it's wonderful news for the world that are worrying, you know. Right now, Americans are worrying. What's going to happen here? What's, you know, it's rumors of wars and wars and this and that. What's going to happen? Don't worry about it. Just keep serving God. Because in the end, we'll get up. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore also we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. That just kind of takes away my worry, right? Romans chapter, uh, chapter 8. It takes away my worry because God has everything covered. It's all planned out. God didn't make a mistake. God had it planned out perfectly. It worked perfectly. It will forever work perfectly. It's stamped by our God. Put nothing and no one before Jesus. Romans 8 and verse 9. However, you are not of the spirit, or the flesh rather, but of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if Christ is in you, the, the body, though the body is dead because of sin, if the spirit is alive because of righteousness, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. It's the same message. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's a message of power. It's a message of encouragement. It's a message that we are not meant to miss. This is the power of God demonstrated, manifested through Jesus Christ as he died on the cross, but he got up. And so you don't have to fear death. Right? You live for Jesus and let him take you home when it's time to go home. Live for Jesus and by his grace allow him to do his work. Live for Jesus and all the living ones who are alive and well will join them one day. And so we stay faithful and true. When someone says, why are you faithful to this loving God? I can't help but be faithful to a loving God who loves me because I love him. And by the way, he got up. And I'm going to get up too one day. The message is powerful. It is for us. It is the answer to the question, what happens in the life beyond? Right? You, know, you might think about they're trying to go to the, you know, up in the universe, and they're trying to get up to the, you know, the moon and, and over to Mars, and they want to go everywhere up in space. We're going beyond space, church, into the dwelling place of God. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 50. How powerful. What, what an encouragement. The text says, Now I say to this, my brethren, that flesh and bread cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will not put on the imperishable, and this mortal will not put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 
The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You're not doing this for nothing. There's a reason, there's a purpose, and there's a reward. Why are you here? Why do you come to worship? Why do you study your Bible? Why do you forgive? Why, do you, why are you merciful? Why do you live the way you live? Because it's reasonable and there's a reward for God's people through His grace. We serve God because we love God. We serve humanity because we love God. And we learn to love each other. We learn to love even our enemies. And how difficult that may be sometimes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. But why do I do those things? Because in reality, it really doesn't matter who my enemy is in this life. It really doesn't matter how difficult this life is. It really doesn't matter how great this life is. What really matters is the life to come. The resurrection. It's the same message spoken from the very beginning all the way to the end. You know, from the very beginning, the Garden of Eden. Man was in the Garden of Eden to live forever. But they sin. They sin. But God already had a plan that man who is sinful and man who has been rebellious can live again in Christ Jesus our Lord. The resurrection is the answer to the question of life after death. Right? It's the answer. We close in verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and following but we do not want you to be unaware or uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. See, there's somewhere, I think, in Luke where it says that there's rejoicing in heaven. See, there's rejoicing in heaven. Right? We don't grieve as the rest because there's rejoicing in heaven Well, one sinner repents. Right? Well, for one person who goes to heaven, there's rejoicing in heaven. Somewhere in the psalm, the psalm says to us in 116, it says, precious in the sight of God is the death of his godly ones. There's joy in heaven. There's rejoicing in heaven. Don't grieve like the rest. There's joy in heaven. Not that we don't grieve, but we don't grieve like the world because we have what? Hope in this amazing gift of God that we will get up one day and join those who have passed on before us. In verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. Now keep in mind in verse 15, I've heard this before, that there's this sleep idea that when you die, you go to heaven and you just rest. That's not what the Bible's teaching. That's not what it's talking about. Falling asleep is dying is basically what it's saying. Right? There's rejoicing in heaven. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss it, church. And so tell other people about heaven and the greatness of heaven. You don't want to miss it. Verse 16 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we will be with the Lord always. Thank you, God. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We'll be with God forever and ever and ever. And a, a word that we don't even understand. Everlasting life. 
Church, I close with this. You stick with the Lord. Don't worry about what happens in this life. Stay with the Lord and never forget, we win. It's impossible to lose when you stay with God. The lesson's yours. If we can help in any way, please come. While together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Have you a heart that's weary?